Welcome to Bruin Success, where we talk to UCLA alumni and explore the many paths to success beyond UCLA. I'm your host, Katie Russo, and today I'm excited to be joined by Stephen Mendoza, who works as a senior financial analyst at Wells Fargo. Stephen is a proud product of the Santa Ana public school system. His experience growing up in a poor, underprivileged community motivated him to learn more about finance in hopes of providing his family with the financial stability he never had growing up. This passion brought him to UCLA, a school he unquestionably believes is the best school in the country. While at UCLA, he worked with organizations aimed to help marginalized communities such as Furnish the Homeless and Career Closet. After graduating from UCLA in 2018, Stephen has been working as a financial analyst with Wells Fargo's restaurant finance team in San Diego. Outside of work, Stephen maintains his commitment to his hometown, serving as an ambassador for the Project Youth OCBF organization, an organization dedicated to matching at-risk youth with professional business internships. As a current UCLA Anderson Reardon Programs MBA fellow, Stephen plans to earn an MBA in the future to pursue his passion for social, social entrepreneurship. Stephen, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for coming back to campus today and taking the time to talk with us. It is an absolute honor to be here. When I think about UCLA and, and Bruin success, I can't help but think about the incredible individuals that have been here before me. So it's such an honor to be here and hopefully I can add value through my experiences. Awesome. Thanks so much. So to start us off, can you tell us a little bit about um, what made you join Wells Fargo and kind of what does a day in the life look like for you as a financial analyst there? Yeah, of course. Um, I think so much of my experience at Wells Fargo was unexpected. And I think storytelling is, is really helpful to kind of backtrack into where, how mm -hmm. I landed there. Because if mm -hmm. someone told me I would have been working as a financial analyst uh, yes. at Wells Fargo <laughs> before I started UCLA, I, I wouldn't have believed them. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was going to ask you that. I was going to say. <laughs> so this, is, uh, this has been definitely like a, a long journey and I'm very proud of it. And it all started pretty much when I was in my accounting class because I actually okay. wanted to study political science and accounting okay. while at UCLA. Sure enough, in my accounting class, one of my peers next to me had asked me like a question about the what the professor was going over. And I gladly just kind of explained to him the what the professor was meaning, gave him a little bit of, of tips and advice. And he quickly said, oh, wow, this is I really appreciate your, your honesty and insight. We talked after class and sure enough, he was a director for the Student Accounting Society. Okay. As a director of the Student Accounting Society, he had so much insight into recruiting, so mm -hmm. much insight into um, professional networking. Those were all things I knew nothing about. So he really opened the door to business for me and I'm so grateful for him. Sure enough, I got an internship with Ernst & Young through this experience. It was a great experience for me to get professional experience as a sophomore at UCLA. Yeah. This was so such a huge force multiplier for me. I then translated this experience to JP Morgan, New York City, where I interned there in, in, in um, my junior year of UCLA. Mm -hmm. And with that experience, they offered me a full-time job. I thought where I wanted to, you know, start my career, like geographically played a huge role into this. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, Wells Fargo was another competitor bank, which offered me the opportunity to start in January. And January of 2018 is actually when I kind of finished my academic studies. Okay. So this allowed me to start about six months earlier than where I normally would have. And that jumpstart to my professional career was something I really, really wanted. And that's kind of what brought me to Wells Fargo. And in terms of, uh, you know, what a day in the life looks like as a senior financial analyst, I work with the restaurant finance team. So what we do is provide the, you know, companies, the financial capital they need to grow their business. So this is all in the restaurant space. So things like 
the Carl's Jr. Uh, I'm holding a <laughs> large 32 ounce Carl's Jr. Sprite, <laughs> but really offering them the financial capital they need to you know, increase their store count from say eight to 20 and then 20 to hundred. So watching our clients really uh, grow is something that I can really take pride in. That's great. And, mm-hmm. and so far um, in your time there so far, what part of um, your role has been most challenging and then what part for you um, is more most rewarding in what you get to do there? You know, I think that the challenging aspect of my job is not so much the, you know, technical competencies, because I think what UCLA really does is offer you an unmeasurable uh, set of skills that mm. allow you to be adaptable in the workplace. So I think from a skill set, I was I felt very prepared going to the workplace. What I wasn't prepared for is actually the lack of diversity. Mm. You know, when I stepped into to, to the restaurant finance team, I was actually one of uh, the only two um, Latin American individuals in the entire uh, group. And there's wow. about nearly 100 of them. Wow. And there was, a, I believe, one that was you know, African-American. So this was a little bit hard for me because growing up, you know, I was raised in a predominantly Mexican-American household, mm-hmm. Mexican-American community. And, you know, as I went to UCLA, there were less of us. And as I stepped into the professional field, mm-hmm. there were less and less of us. So for me, it's been challenging to kind of deal with this isolation, but having constant communication with mentors, t- communicating to management my kind of fears and and kind of going through how my background is actually a competitive advantage mm-hmm. as opposed to kind of something that should hold me back Absolutely. has really gave me that sense of comfort that I definitely needed. That's great. Um, and kind of following up to your, yeah. your answer there, mm-hmm. you talked about having mentors and those folks in your support system that you mm-hmm. can lean on and, and kind of maybe talk through situations yeah. or um, as you are, you know, figuring things out at mm-hmm. Wells Fargo, how did you, um, how did you go about finding those mentors mm-hmm. and those people as you started to network and kind of build um, your community at UCLA? Um, is that question more towards UCLA or more towards the professional side? I guess more towards professional side, but I wasn't sure if there was experiences you had at UCLA that kind of led you to the, yeah, those mentors. Exactly. I mean, even at UCLA, I was close to, you know, organizations that kind of grouped, um, underrepresented minorities together. You know, the program that I was, you know, that I got an internship at EY through mm-hmm. was called EY Launch, okay. which is catered to underrepresented minorities. Gotcha. And even at UCLA, I was uh, definitely involved in like the Manos Unidos conference mm-hmm. conferences and organizations that, you know, really brought together like-minded individuals with kind of similar experiences and all kind of motivated us to succeed together. And at, um, you know, even in the professional setting, I thought it was very noteworthy because I had, you know, experience six months into my professional life with Wells Fargo, I thought I was doing extremely well. And when one of my managers had kind of communicated to me that, Stephen, uh, it's important that you communicate your insights in group settings. Mm. Because oftentimes I was not, I was a little bit timid to speak Mm -hmm. my experiences or share what I believed uh, could add value. And I really, that was a really good opportunity for me to be self-reflective of kind of who I am and why I could be on that, on the timid side. And a lot of it came down to just the lack of representation. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes when I don't see people that look like me, people that have experience like experiences like me, it's harder for me to feel comfortable to right. share my experiences. So the more that I communicate that to managers, they really understood why I was more on the timid side. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, continue to push me to just share what I believe in and, and acknowledge that I'm here because 
I deserve to be here, you know? And I think right. hearing that from management was really, really helpful. And that's no longer a problem now. That's wonderful. That's great. Um, so I, I saw, and as you mentioned yeah. earlier, um, that while you were at UCLA, you interned at place, such notable places like Ernst & Young, J.P. Yeah. Morgan, Disney. What did you learn from, I think, working at such large, you know, kind of standout organizations like those? Yeah, these, it's very hard to kind of understand what a professional industry is like from the outside. Mm -hmm. And truthfully, I want to gain, gain as much experience as possible as a student, just because, right. you know, my parents um, didn't necessarily have that experience. My mom is a lunch lady at my old high school. My dad is actually a, a cook at Troy Taylor's Cafe in, in Disneyland. So, wow. and they both have actually sixth grade educations. So it was a little bit harder for me to navigate the UCLA system mm -hmm. and really understand what I want to do with my professional career because I couldn't necessarily have the luxury of communicating um, my professional goals with my parents because they didn't necessarily know what a GPA was or what you know made someone distinguished amongst other candidates. So that was definitely a hurdle that I needed to overcome with. Mm -hmm. And I think what is important to realize is just that the journey and being able to tell a good story is really what can distinguish you because um, so often, so often we think about success as what title someone is mm -hmm. or what is their professional title. But that really is just a point in time indicator of where they're at today. Right. Whereas a lot of times I think what really constitutes someone's success is really their lifelong journey of mm -hmm. how they, how they, how they got to that one title. You know, what were the life experiences that got them there and how can we learn from those similar experiences and those uh, uh, struggles? Because mm -hmm. that's where we really gain the knowledge. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's funny, too, because mm -hmm. even your response there is mm -hmm. um, hinting at a question that we will ask you down the line, kind of going back to that <laughs> okay. theme of success. But yeah. um, I think it's your points are very, mm -hmm. very much mm -hmm. spot on. Um, so because of um, kind of going back to like like you were just talking about your yeah. journey, getting to CLA and your mm -hmm. background, um, I saw that you also launched a YouTube series called Storytellers in Color, I believe. Yes. Um, can you share more about what inspired this passion project and what do you hope to achieve with this um, series that you created? That That's an excellent question. I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, I had a roommate at UCLA. His name was Xavier Ortiz, who's mm -hmm. just, uh, you know, a great friend of mine who, you know, has gone on to have so much success with uh, Accenture consulting mm -hmm. firm in, in LA. Yeah. And while at UCLA, we thought that, you know, we were going to be, you know, just these killer professionals that are just <laughs> doing very well in their, in, in our industries. But we were both kind of startled when we noticed the lack of diversity, mm. you know, like I mentioned before, um, this was a cause that was very important to us because it affected how we felt at work. It, it helped it. We experienced microaggressions at, at work that we couldn't really communicate to our managers because mm -hmm. they didn't understand why that was hurtful. I had often, I had had people ask me things like, okay, I need a translator. Steven, you speak Spanish, right? Mm -hmm. Hearing that is a little bit unfortunate because while I do yeah. speak Spanish, I don't want necessarily people to have these certain assumptions mm -hmm. of who I am or how I speak based sure. on how I look. Sure. And that's just one of many. It's right. there's a series of of these microaggressions that I had experienced at work and my friend Xavier had experienced at work. So for mm -hmm. us, we wanted to have a platform where we could kind of share our experiences in helps of in, in hopes of just, you know, reaching a, a large audience so that people can realize, hey, you're not alone in this. Mm -hmm. You know, you, these microaggressions that you're experiencing at work you know, it's unfortunate that you're doing that, but we're going to work towards, you know, um, 
sharing these stories in hopes of just kind of eliminating them. And we've had, you know, a lot of success. We've continued to have these YouTube videos. We've we've presented at the Hermanos Unidos conference last oh, year. And we've just continued to, you know, try to get a large following. And, and this is something that is really prideful for us, you know, because these videos are also shared in, in high school settings. And, mm. and we've had people reach out to us saying that they've really motivated us. So Oh, that's awesome. That's really I've, great. I've loved it. <laughs> so, and it's you and Xavier are are doing the yeah, like, me, Xavier, together. and more individuals too. We just okay. ask them to share their stories, what they do in their professional, uh, with their professional careers, and what you know struggles they've gone through and how they've I overcame see. them. And we've had individuals um, similar to the Excellence in Action series. We've had individuals from the tech firms. We've had individuals okay. from large financial services like like mine at Wells yeah. Fargo. Others consulting. So. We continue to kind of uh, spotlight individuals, uh, diverse individuals from these um, industries and just kind of share their stories. Mm -hmm. That's great. And um, I'm curious to kind of talking about mm -hmm. some of the focus areas of the, that series. What do you believe since mm -hmm. um, since kind of starting your career? What are what are some things you believe organizations can either start doing or continue doing to promote um more community and support for men and women of color joining their organizations Perfect. to kind of retain them and also make sure that they know this is a place where they belong. I'm curious what your thoughts are. That, that's a, that's a very very great question, and, and that is the is a question that I continue to to try to, to struggle with. But sure. I'll, I'll I'll put this into perspective. I and I, and I think maybe people can correct me if I'm wrong, but based off my research, I think there's about uh, two, less than 2% of Fortune 500 companies that are black or Hispanic. Mm. Less than 2%. However, there's a strong effort in recruiting these underrepresented minorities into these professional services industries. Right. So it's not so much an issue of them having the opportunity to get in the in these institutions. It's really just providing them the opportunities to, to grow and succeed right. within them. Right. A lot of that comes down to the idea of diversity and inclusion. Diversity is completely wasted without inclusion. So promoting environments where we're, we have full inclusion are really what's going to be the formula for success. You know, promoting uh, cultures where I don't have to be fearful of what my opinion is or how people are going to view my opinion, because that's that was what I struggled with with when I first started. Mm -hmm. I was worried that if I showed up late to work, people would think that all Mexican Americans show up late to work. Mm -hmm. If I, um, you know had an untucked shirt or pierced my ears, people would think, oh, this Mexican-American um, that pierces ears is promoting gang culture or whatever it may be. And I was just yeah. constantly fearful of these associations that people would have of me based off how I presented myself. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that culture where, you know, um, inclusion is, is promoted is something that management needs to definitely value. And what ways they can do that management of these large in industries have to continue to engage with their younger uh, diverse professionals yeah. they have to you know have long lasting um mentorship programs mm -hmm. where these you know young diverse professionals are you know matched with mentors that are, have similar skin complexion complexions as they do mm -hmm. and that will give them the motivation they need to you know continue moving up because i've even in the last two years that i've worked here i've seen you know underrepresented minorities kind of leave the company just mm -hmm. because they feel like it's just not a right fit when sometimes it could be the right fit, but things just need to be, need to change. Right. Right. And I think to your point, it's mm -hmm. so important for, like you said, 
not only bringing those people in, but then to have mentorship exactly. programs and things like that, where mm -hmm. they're able to see people that look like them and from similar yeah. backgrounds that have been able to mm -hmm. grow and are in leadership roles in the organization yeah. to know they can continue to aspire along that path yeah. as well. Um, so since, since graduating, I know you've talked a little bit about one of the biggest surprises being kind of the lack of diversity in corporate yeah. America, but have there been any other kind of significant surprises for you entering the workplace or just navigating kind of the life after UCLA landscape? Um, life after UCLA, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, it's definitely been its fair share, fair share of, of struggles, but what I really have uh, learned to appreciate is just kind of the um sense of community that ucla has really been able to establish mm -hmm. you know if someone tells me that they're from ucla i, I mean i was just telling christian that yeah. I, I look after those people yeah. <laughs> there have been a few uh folks at uh, my current job that came from ucla okay. and the second that they say that i'm just so prideful of that yeah. we shared similar educational struggles we went to you know my opinion the best institution yeah, in the country absolutely so just kind of that sense of community has, has still uh, stayed even beyond the confinements of, of UCLA. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's really great to hear. <laughs> so, um, since graduating and leaving UCLA, which mm -hmm. may seem like a short, yeah. a short time and also yeah. a long time all at the same time for you. Mm -hmm. Um, how have your experiences shaped how you define success or view success? Uh, well, like I kind of mentioned earlier, you know, we, we often have the association of a successful individual being an individual within a, a high up, in an organization. Mm -hmm. And I think that's that's fine. That's fitting because it, you know, you can make the common uh, beliefs that this individual worked very hard to be where they're at today. Right. And that's that's definitely commendable. But what I view as success is kind of the, the journey. Mm -hmm. Instead of the point in time position, really the journey. Because who I am today is a financial analyst by trade. But my profession is completely secondary to my journey. You know, I mm -hmm. overcame insurmountable odds to be where I am today and I can't help but just be prideful of where I am today and be motivated more motivated than ever actually to continue to provide more opportunities for others that maybe struggled more than I did and offer them the opportunity to succeed in life as well I gave the analogy of you know if life is a marathon um, we're not all starting from the same starting line mm -hmm. you know there are individuals like me that probably started a few feet behind the starting line right. and Whereas other individuals had um, professional cleats, had family members that mm -hmm. were um, professional athletes. Right. And while I was running, there was individuals in the audience booing me and wanting to kick me out of the, the, the stadium. That was the analogy that I tried to paint when others asked, why does, why does you being at, you know, as a financial analyst at Wells Fargo make you successful? It's because of those odds that I had to overcome. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's, that's something I definitely want to highlight and bring to life um, through this discussion is just that there's so much commodification of opportunity now. There's so much lack of just a, an equal playing field that more people need to continue to share their stories because mm -hmm. these stories are so impactful to people. And if I could just touch the the life of one person, that would make my my life whole and complete because that means I motivate someone to pursue what, what they want to do. Wow. That's really, mm -hmm. I think that's really powerful mm -hmm. and inspiring. And um, like you said, right, I think it's mm -hmm. the success is so much about the journey and your story mm -hmm. getting to that, yeah. that point today. And, mm -hmm. and even those closed doors or missed opportunities mm -hmm. or things that you feel like you didn't mm -hmm. get, you know, all of those, you know, define your story and kind of like shape your journey even more to getting you in the right place at the right time. Um, but I also think just 
your your story is so inspiring and mm-hmm. uh, meaningful for those, especially that you know mm-hmm. are coming from similar backgrounds, and mm-hmm. even other students that are listening here at UCLA today mm-hmm. that can identify with aspects or challenges in your in your story and your journey. Um, but I think it just speaks volumes to see the things that you've been able to do, you know, while you were at UCLA and also mm-hmm. since then, and what you've accomplished, and also kind of how you're you know leaving a legacy and behind you with you know your community involvement mm-hmm. and things like that, which I think is just. Um, speaks to the type of, you know, Bruins that we see that are leaders both mm-hmm. in the workplace and outside of the workplace today. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. And that's what I want to, to emphasize too: the idea of, you know, success being something that, you know, you're only successful if you are able to inspire future generations. Mm-hmm. You know, one totally. person that I think about too is just Kobe, mm-hmm. <laughs> Kobe Bryant. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think his accolades as a professional basketball player are just un. Yeah. believably impressive mm-hmm. but what will keep him immortalized is his influence how okay. he's inspired so many different professional athletes not just basketball players right. people that you know continue to think the way he thought people that approach you know physical sports the way he approached mm-hmm. them like i think that is is what also um is a good example of success mm-hmm. because it's not just his accolades it's right. his really his ability to influence people mm-hmm. absolutely and yeah i think mm-hmm. the because of what you said like mm-hmm. what he did on and off the court i think yeah. that's what has sent even so so much bigger you know kind of meaning and like uh, yeah. waves and ripple effect from mm-hmm. his passing for mm-hmm. everyone just to feel you know this person that did so much good for mm-hmm those around him and also yeah. just right was just absolutely one of the greatest basketball players of, of our generation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have one bonus question for you too. Right. So I know, <laughs> I know you had um, said mm-hmm. mentioned earlier that you plan to pursue an MBA down the line yeah. and, and focus yeah. on kind of social entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. What would the kind of dream job or dream business or organization, what would that be or look like for you? You know, I think that's an ex- excellent uh, question. And I think the, beauty of that is I don't think that there is one just one job I think Mm -hmm. what and I don't want to make generalizations about millennials but what people within my kind of age demographic believe is that you don't necessarily have to have one career you can have multiple you know going back off Kobe he was so motivated to be the best basketball player he could possibly be and then he would go on to win an Oscars and then he he became an investor Mm -hmm. people even asked him 20 years from after he retired do you want to be known as a basketball player do you want to be known as an investor and he said investing Mm. so with that in mind I do want to pursue an MBA I do want to pursue a career in social entrepreneurship Mm -hmm. and truthfully I do want to continue to um, maybe grow and succeed within my industry of of banking Mm -hmm. but I don't think that means that I have to be confined to one job i think what i can definitely see myself uh doing is building a social entrepreneurship organization one that is catered to underrepresented minorities whether that's continuing to provide professional attire to students at need Mm -hmm. or providing um you know like low housing to individuals that really need it or Mm -hmm. the you know um furniture to make their home feel like a home i want to be involved with as many initiatives as possible. I want to give back to as many constituents as possible. I want to re- continue to represent Santa Ana because mm-hmm. these goals and, and kind of values are all because of my experiences growing up in Santa Ana and my experiences meeting passionate, you know, individuals at UCLA that just want to change the world. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that there is one goal or kind of job title that I'm like constantly pursuing. I, sure. I just think it's a 
it's a goal of mine to get an MBA and just to continue to, you know, put myself in uncomfortable situations where I learn a lot. Today, I had the opportunity to, you know, as part of the reordering program, attend a UCLA class, uh, UCLA um, MBA class. Oh, wow. And it was really, really great. I learned about Harley Davidson. Uh, it was a case study that I, of course, hadn't read because I didn't have <laughs> a whole lot of visibility into like the the case studies. But yeah. it's just great. It, it's, it's nice being part of these discussions. I feel like mm -hmm. I'm learning about... Um, you know, these business cases of how a company needs to adopt, adapt to a changing world. And mm -hmm. I need to adapt to a changing world too. And, and part of that means just um, being comfortable in different positions and passionate about different things. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I think that's, that's mm -hmm. really inspiring. And um, I appreciated your just authenticity and kind of sharing your story and how you got mm -hmm. to where you are today. And um, mm -hmm. I also think you will inspire, um, others that are listening, mm -hmm. um, you know, certain aspects of your journey that they feel yeah. like, um, they can identify with mm -hmm. to also, you know, take time at UCLA to get involved themselves in organizations where mm -hmm. they can, you yeah. know, implement change, but also that, mm -hmm. um, that desire to make a difference doesn't just stop when you, you know, leave UCLA, that it continues on. And, and I think you're a true example of that. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much, Stephen, for <sighs> taking time um, to come on Bruin Success today. And, um, I know you have been, an amazing alumnus for us as well mm -hmm. at Partnership UCLA Alumni Career Programs. You helped um, so many different programs and projects of ours. So uh, we just thank you so much for taking time and um, really kind of emphasizing the true Bruin spirit um, out there in the world. Absolutely. It's an honor. It's an honor to be here. If you'd ask me today to be here tomorrow, I'd do it because I just love this community so much. And, you know, it's, it's part of my elevator speech. You know, I, I really do think that anytime someone asks me, you know, what's your name? Tell me a little bit about yourself. Mm -hmm. One of the first few things I'll say is that I'm a proud UCLA alumni. So to, to say that um, is just a huge blessing. And I'm happy to be here. Yeah. <laughs> and and I, th I don't think this will be the last time I'll be here. <laughs> right, right. Well, we, we yeah. love to hear that. So mm -hmm. thank you again. Of course. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Bruin Success. Our guest this week was Stephen Mendoza, financial analyst at Wells Fargo. You can find more information on Stephen in the description of the podcast. Follow Partnership UCLA Alumni Career Programs on Instagram and Facebook. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe to it, tell a friend, or share your appreciation on social media. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time we're back with another inspiring Bruin. This podcast was made possible by UCLA alumni.